0: We're starting just for the next three weeks. We're doing a series um, about Meals of Jesus, just looking at um, some passages out of Luke's Gospel uh, around this series. I'm going to share this week, and then we're going to have Grant share next week, and then I'll finish it off the week after. I've um, used for this series, I've used a a really awesome book um, called A Meal with Jesus uh, by Tim Chester. You know how sometimes you read a book and um, you get to about 100 pages and you're like, yeah, I kind of get the gist of this, and you feel like for the next two, 300 pages, they just repeat the same points? Well, this is one of those books that actually was really good all the way through, and it's only about 150 pages, and uh, it was just extremely practical and uh, really enjoyable. So I highly recommend it. I'm going to be using it a bit as, um, as a resource as we go through this series. Well, um, if you've been part of Kotymuckle for a while, um, you'll know that um, we really love food. Um, that This is a, an important aspect of our church. Um, when we were putting the values together, I, we even you know, I think we even jokingly uh, contemplated making Kai one of our values, uh, just because we love food so much, and I don't know about you, but man, isn't it weird when you meet those people, and I hope there's no one here today who? They don't really like food. They just eat for kind of sustenance or kind of like, re, you know, just to get their energy needs for the day. And and they even tell you things like, oh, I forgot to eat. Anyone here like that? No, I, I, I never forget to eat. Like, every, like, I try and incorporate a bit of fasting into my spiritual practices, um, and it is a struggle, but it's an important struggle. Uh, but, man, sometimes when I'm fasting, like, all my senses are just so highlighted, like the smell and the, and the and, and, you know, and, and, you, and you walk out of, like, like, you walk past a bakery and you're like, you smell that, that beautiful freshly baked bread and you're like, oh, and all the worst thing was once time, one time I think I was on a three or four day fast and I came out of, it might have been Bunnings or the warehouse, you know they have those kids there doing the fundraisers with the barbecues and they're sizzling those sausages? The smell of those caramelized onions and the sausages just sort of sizzling away Then So you get the sound and you got the smell coming through. I was so hungry. I was like, like, I was, I was salivating, like, it was like drooling. I was almost like about to eat my my hand or something. I was that hungry. I had to hop back into the car like, I'll be all right. I'll be all right. Just drive away. Drive away. Wait till those just go away. But I, well, I see all that to say I really love food. Um, it's an important part of my life, as you, as you can see. Um, I'm well invested into food, and it is an important part of Koremako as a church. And this brings me to this. Um, what The point I was saying before about people who just eat maybe for just a bit of energy or sustenance or something. I was thinking about in the movie The Matrix. Neo comes out of The Matrix, and he's on this vessel, the Nebuchadnezzar, and he's with this crew of people, and this guy puts this goop down in front of him. And it's kind of like this porridge snotty, kind of awful-looking thing. And one of the guys, one of the characters who's sitting beside him says, it's a single-cell protein combined with synthetic aminos, vitamins, and minerals, everything your body needs. We grow it in a vat. And the guy beside him goes, oh, no, it doesn't have everything the body needs needs. And I, I think that really sums up, and is an important point that this guy makes in the book. He says, you know, we serve an incredibly creative God. You know, God could have created something like that, or some sort of tasteless energy, you know, block or bar or square or something we could eat, which would give us all those calorie needs we need for the day. But no, we have this incredible, amazing, creative God who, who, who creates all these incredible different types of food. Just think about all your favorite foods. Trigger warning here if you're starting to get hungry. I was actually thinking when I did the series, maybe we should have had snacks like during the service, because like, people could get a bit snacky while I keep talking about food. Um, but think about that, your favorite foods, you know, your, you know, the things you love the most. Like Think how creative God is. Those beautiful ingredients that go into your favorite foods, favorite meats, you know, like, God is an incredibly creative God. Not only does he give us our, our sustenance and our, our calorie needs we need for the day, but he, 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 it just shows how, how good he is, that he gives us food that tastes good, that we can enjoy his creation. That's what the sort of God we serve. And there was an awesome point in this book, which I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to the bank on that one. He was basically saying, Chester was saying that, you know, um, when we're you know, at the the end of days when we're, you know, God comes and renews the earth and renews the heavens we're in our resurrected bodies and stuff, he says, food will carry on. Hallelujah. (laughs) I was like, yeah, I'm going to take that one to the bank. Yeah, that's good. I like that sort of theology. Like, food will be in the the new heavens and the new earth because it's part of God's good creation, except for celery, uh, cottage cheese, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) Brussels sprouts, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Has anyone been following this Chosen TV series? Yeah. One thing I really love about this series is that it, it uses a lot of poetic license to give some sort of background to what Jesus is like and the disciples and when they're called and how they start out on their journey of discipleship. But it's really cool because it gives you that kind of um, sort of, you know, it, it gives you that glimpse into Jesus as the human. I think sometimes we we, we fall into that trap of just seeing Jesus as this the spirit that just sort of hovered over the ground and kind of disembodied kind of um, apparition that went throughout Palestine talking to people. But as we know, and this is good theology, God is fully God and fully human. And He is He was then when He came to earth. He is right now by the right hand of the Father, and He will be when He comes again. He is fully God and fully human. It's a mystery how He is this, but He is. And I love this TV series because it unpacks that that real hu- human side of, of Jesus. He's performing miracles, but he's also doing ordinary life. So he's having meals, he's laughing, he's chatting, he's crying, he's doing life with his disciples. He's in the ordinary and in the extraordinary, and that's what it's all about. And then there's this beautiful scene here um, in one of the episodes where these children um, have met with Jesus, and just... They start having conversations with him and asking him questions. And they kind of work out, oh, yeah, he's, he's, he's somebody special. There's something about this guy. And they ask him, what is your favorite food? And Jesus says, I, I like lots of different foods, but especially bread. And, of course, this is a TV show. He's using poetic license. But the reality is, is that Jesus ate. He ate food. He probably had f- bread could have been his favorite. He would have had favorite foods that he ate. He ate and he drank. This was a normal part of his life when he was here uh, um, back then. Just like you and I, he ate and drank every day. In the the Gospels, we read these um, statements, these three statements um, about the Son of Man, about you know, what he did sort of thing. And it says the Son of Man in Mark 10, 45, says the Son of Man came not to serve, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And then in Luke 19, 10, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And finally in Matthew 11, 19, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. The first two are extremely important. I mean, that is is the mission of Jesus. He came to save the lost. He came for us. He came to die on a cross, to be resurrected, to bring us into new life. They are incredibly important things. But they are his purpose. They are his mission. The third statement, this one here, the Son of Man came eating and drinking, shows us how Jesus did his mission. It's the vehicle for his mission. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. And, you know, Jesus didn't use a whole lot of programs or, or seminars or um, block courses or, um, you know, a, a big part of his ministry with the disciples and with the people he was ministering to was through eating and drinking. This this ordinary thing of eating and drinking which we can overlook how important that is. It was an integral part of Jesus's ministry. And Jesus had such a reputation for eating and drinking, for feasting and for partying, that he he had a reputation as a drunken and a glutton. Now, a drunken is someone who drinks too much, and a glutton is someone who eats too much. Obviously, Jesus wasn't getting drunk and things like that, but Obviously, there must have been some truth to the fact that Jesus enjoyed to have some wine. He enjoyed some good food. Like, he was known for having a good time, that he wasn't this um, ascetic person who didn't, was off fasting all the time. He was having a good time with the disciples and with the people he was interacting with. And even his disciples had this reputation Luke five thirty-three, this is the Pharisees um, talking to Jesus uh, and, 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 and comparing the disciples of Jesus to the disciples of John the Baptist, and he says, and they said to him, the disciples of John fast often and offer prayers, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink. As I said before, Jesus' mission strategy was through meals. He did evangelism and discipleship around a table with food and drink. This was the normal part of his mission. Just take a look at this um, out of Luke's Gospel, Luke five: Jesus eats with tax collectors and sinners at at the home of Levi or Matthew. Luke seven: Jesus is anointed at the home of Simon the Pharisee during a meal. Luke nine: Jesus feeds the five thousand. Luke ten: Jesus eats in the home of Martha and Mary. Luke 11, Jesus condemns the Pharisees and teachers of the law at a meal. Luke 14, Jesus is at a meal when he urges people to invite the poor to their meals rather than their friends. Luke 19, Jesus invites himself to have dinner with Zacchaeus. Luke 22, we have the account of the Last Supper. And even after the resurrection, Luke 24, the risen Christ has a meal with two disciples in Emmaus, on the road to Emmaus, and then later eats fish with the disciples in Jerusalem. And there's this link there between Jesus' excess of food, of, of feasting and, and connecting with people. There's a real link to this his excess of grace. In the same way, Jesus wasn't stingy in the way that he did life with people, and um, did um you know, is the same as that he in in the way that he showed grace to all the people that he interacted with. He wasn't stingy with his time and with and, and with his meals, and with who he was with. There was an excess of grace that flows through all these encounters. And the meals of Jesus represent something bigger. They represent a new world, a new kingdom. Meals represent friendship, community, and welcome. This is a um, Bible scholar, Robert um, Karras. He said in Luke's gospel, Jesus is either going to a meal, at a meal, or coming from a meal. I really like that. Like, that's awesome, eh? Like, he's either going to a meal, he's at a meal, or he's leaving a meal. This guy likes eating. This guy likes feasting. This guy likes doing community and being with people. I like Jesus. Don't you? Like, isn't he cool? He's not this sad, um, ascetic creature, person. He's a, he's a real, joyful, loving person doing ordinary life with us. Just want to turn this is the um, passage I just want to focus on today, just unpack a little bit. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Luke 5 27 32, or on your phones, and this is from the message translation that I'm reading from. After this, um, this is talking about Jesus, he went out and saw a man named Levi, um, also known as Matthew the disciple, at his work. we good? Yep, we're good. After this, he went and saw a man named Levi at his work collecting de- taxes. Jesus said, come along with me. And he did. Walked away from everything and went with Jesus. Levi gave a large dinner at his home for Jesus. Everybody was there, tax men and other disrebu- disreputable characters as guests at the dinner. The Pharisees and their religion scholars came to the disciples, greatly offended. What is he doing? Eating and drinking with misfits and sinners. And Jesus heard about it and spoke up, who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? I'm here inviting outsiders, not insiders, an invitation to a changed life, changed inside and out. See, the the Pharisees knew that there was going to be a big party at at the end, with the end of time. Um, Their only objection was the guest list. They wanted to have all the perfect people there at the parties, at these events, the, the, the holier-than-our people, the people who followed all the law to the letter, the ones who were the, the high in society. Um, they didn't wanna have tax collectors who worked for the Roman authorities. They didn't wanna have sinners and broken and marginalized people. They wanted to have the creme de la creme of, of Palestinian society. They wanted to have that there in their, in their meals. And Jesus, by going to these meals of people, he's breaking those social barriers. He's breaking those social barriers by being in their homes, by having meals with them. It's a it's a powerful thing, which I think we lose because of two thousand years of time, and we live in a completely different culture here in Aotearoa compared to their culture back then. But that, for what Jesus was doing was so countercultural to be going into the homes of these people and doing life with them and eating with them. It, it says it would be difficult to overestimate the importance of table fellowship for the cultures of the Mediterranean basin in the first century of our area. Mealtimes were far more occasions for individuals to consume nourishment. Being welcomed at a table for the purpose of eating food with another person had become ceremonially richly symbolic of friendship, intimacy, and unity. Thus, betrayal of unfaithfulness towards anyone with whom one shared the table was viewed as particularly reprehensible. On the other hand, when persons were estranged, a meal invitation opened the way to reconciliation. And isn't it true for us as well? Like, it's actually quite hard, if you have got issues with someone, to sit down and have a meal with them, eh? There's something about eating together that can just break down the barriers that can just make us you know equals sitting together just eating doing that that simple act of eating there's something powerful in that in that that can bring community that can bring friendship that can bring intimacy that can break down the barriers of where people are coming from and what they're carrying with them Jesus is handing out God's party invitations, and they read, you're invited to my party in the new creation. Come as you are. One of our um, values is um, whanauingatanga, and it's something that we have tried to do from the start and we continue to do and we want to keep doing is, is making church a whanau, making church a family, that, that we're not a business that we're not, um, yeah. Well, of course, we've got charitable registration, but, but in the sense, but we're not just a charity. We're not um, some organisation or a club, but we're a family, and, and and part of family life is is eating together, is doing life together. At here on Sundays, but even during the week. There's a Maori um, word, manakitanga, which um, which, yeah, sort of loosely translate to hospi- hospitality, but it has so much more than, than the English word of hospitality. But it's, it talks about, this is from the Māori dictionary, hospitality, kindness, generosity, support, the process of showing respect, generosity, and care for others. And I think yeah, this is what we're trying to do here at Koremako, is, 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 is embody this. This is why we have Fano um, kai, where we meet in homes, um, you know, every fortnight uh, over in Ashurst here in Palmerston North, we're meeting at homes because we're trying to we're trying to do life together with a simple act of having a meal, saying grace together, talking, doing life over meals. Uh, this is why at the end of our services, although it's a bit um, apologies today, it's a, I think we just got a few biscuits today, um, but we do have this elaborate communion. So there, there, there is Kai. <laughs> Um, we, 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 that's why we do food at Tanga after the service, and um, we encourage you to, to be part of that and support that, as many of you do. And this is like when you, you know, we encourage you to, to invite people over to your homes, open up your homes and have people over for meals. This is about catching up with people for coffee and food, like doing life together, not just coming to church knocking back a, a coffee and a biscuit and racing out the door, like actually doing time together, eating together. This is important. This is how Jesus did ministry. This is how the, the barriers come down. This is how we become, because we've all come from different walks of life, this is how we all weave together and become a really strong family. And it's And it's a biblical... Romans twelve thirteen, 13, um, Paul says, share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Hebrews 13, 2 says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. And in the context here, it's talking about, yeah, showing hospitality to the people, not just people we know, but people we don't know. These are our neighbours. These are people who come into our services. These are people on the outskirts of our, our friendship circles and stuff, and it's bringing them in, showing them love, showing them kindness, having meals together, doing life. Matthew twenty five thirty five. this is Jesus talking, and he says, for I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. See, we, we get so focused um, I think in the West about information and we think that information changes people and so you know for for probably the last couple hundred years of of, of evangelism in the church has been about oh you just got to get more information into people if you just fill them up with heaps of information they'll get the right ideas and then you'll transform their heart but that's sort of not how really how people change people change through relationships People change through doing life with people and, and discipleship and community. And yeah, information is important, like reading and finding new information and things like that. But if you don't put it into practice, it's not going to help you at all. Like relationship, having a s- simple act of having a meal is incredibly important. I can't uh, I, 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 yeah, underestimate, you know, if, I can't underestimate how important it is. We underestimate it. We just think, oh, we're just having a meal. I'm seeing some food. But it's actually a spiritual act. It's actually a relational community act that we're doing when we're engaging in these things. Um, there's even a there's even a verse in First uh, Peter, um, and it says, uh, um, Peter says, um, practice hospitality without grumbling. <laughs> He's talking to the church. know <laughs> so, yeah, like like do this with a cheerful heart. Like this is this is important. Like this is hospitality's Good. Like, don't do it begrudgingly. Do it out of a real joyful heart that you want to bless others and want others to 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 receive that that manaakitanga. I'm just going to finish with this uh, fakatoki, and then I'm going to yeah, we're going to we're going to have it lead into a time of communion. Um, This is a nātō roro, nataku roro ka ai te iwi with your food basket. And with my food basket, the people will thrive. So this is, you know, as the, you know like, as, as the pastor of this church here, like, I can't do it all on my own. And Amy and I can't do it all on my own. This is actually a family thing. Like, we've all got to do it. Like, we've all got to be part of this. For this to work, for this church to be a place of hospitality, a place of, of real love, um, where people feel welcomed and part of the family... We've all got to practice hospitality. We've all got to show that love. And it's going to, it requires something of us, eh? Because, you know, the reality is, is we've been conditioned as Westerners to be consumers. So we go to things and consume and we, and we go to meet, get our needs met. But to practice hospitality is to take the, the opposite spirit. It's to go, how can I bless others? How can I show my love to others? And and it's so easy actually to give you money. Like you can just set up an AP or a direct credit and that's awesome. Like it's amazing and we, we need those sort of resources to build the church. But it's actually it requires a bit of effort eh, to like bake something or or cook something or to get some food or to have someone over to your house. You know, to have a family over your house and there might be a bit of mess. There might be a bit of, you know, like, a few dishes to clean up, you know, like, it, it, it's not easy, eh? Like, it, this requires more of us, it, It's it, to practice hospitality is to open your house up, to open up your life to people, and that's not easy. So I just really want to encourage you guys, We, we I, I believe we do this really well, I, I, I believe a lot of us do this really well, but it's something that we've got to be intentional about, because... If, if, if not because we've been shaped in this kind of western world we'll drift back to individualism we'll drift back to just getting our needs met and consuming and not being worshippers. to to do whanaunga to whaka whanaunga tanga to do this we're going to have to be intentional about it so i encourage you be part of Fine kai have people over for meals take someone out for coffee this week shout them you know do, do show that aroha to someone in this community or someone in your workplace or someone, your neighbour or someone around you. Extend that Tanga and that love in our community this week. Why don't you all stand? And I'm just going to invite Meg to we up.